Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles tonight. I'm going to I'm going to try my best tonight to be uh, not to to take too much time. I just want to share a few thoughts with you tonight from a very, very, very familiar passage of Scripture from the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. If you want to, if you want to go there with me tonight, I am, um, I am sure that everybody can quote these verses. Uh, you you've heard them a lot. We hear them a lot. At, um, at, at memorial services and funeral services. But these verses uh, of Scripture, these words from John chapter 14 that Jesus spoke to His disciples just um, the night or so before He was to be crucified are very, very important for us today. And um, so look with me at John 14 and 1. And Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. We, we need to just stop right there for a minute and let those words sink into our, to our spirits tonight, to our hearts tonight. Because if there ever was a time we need to hear these words of Jesus, it's today. He's speaking to His people. He's speaking to His church. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. Now that sounds to me like that if Jesus is, is, is telling us to not let our hearts be troubled, that we have, we have um, a part to play in that. We have something to do about that, all right? So let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I like the King James and the New King James that says many mansions. I don't like rooms or dwelling places. And somebody said, well, that's what that word means. I'm going to heaven to get a mansion. Amen. <laughs> it may be dwelling places, but they're going to be mansions, all right? In my Father's house are many mansions. How many remember that old song we used to sing years ago, I got a mansion just over the hilltop. You remember that? Well, I've got one. Somebody say amen. I'm looking forward to it. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, We do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty plain, isn't it? No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say... Jesus didn't say, I am a way, but He said, I am the way. He is the only way to get to the Father, and He's the only way to get to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's some wonderful verses here, some, some, um, some great encouragement for the body of Christ. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about 
the cure for the troubled heart, the tr- cure for the troubled heart. I, I, I just feel like there's a lot of, of spiritual heart trouble that's, um, that's in the body of Christ and in people's lives tonight. And there's a cure that the Bible gives us. There's a cure that Jesus gives us for that troubled heart. Uh, I know that we realize there's, there's, there, it's reported that when you want to talk about heart trouble, you know, it's reported that uh, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer among men today in the United States. And, um, but Jesus foretold of a time, you remember the, the, the place in the Bible where Jesus said that, that, that men's hearts would fail them for fear of those things that are coming upon the earth. You remember that? He, he said that, our, that men's hearts would fail them for fear. And um, because of things that were happening on the earth, because of the tension and the stress that accompanied the turmoil on the earth, and uh, Jesus here, you know, and, and when he said that men's hearts would fail them, and when he's talking here about not letting our heart be troubled, you know, he's not necessarily not talking about the physical organ that's in your chest that pump, pumps blood throughout your body. But when the Bible refers to the heart of an individual, the heart of man, it's talking about our inner man, our spirit being. You are a spirit being. You're a spirit um, you have a soul and you live inside of a body. This body that you have, we're, man is a, a trying being. And this body that we have is just the house that we're living in. One of these days we're going to lay this house aside. Paul said we're going we're to fold up this tabernacle and go to be with the Lord. Amen? Praise God. But the, the heart that Jesus is talking about is that inner man. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a lot of turmoil that's going on in the world today. I mean, we're, we're, we're in a, our, our world. I don't have to tell you all tonight. I think everybody pretty well knows that our world is in a mess. Our nation tonight, the United States of America, is in a mess. There is global conflict and there's political unrest. There's economic troubles. There's so many things that's going on. There's, there's rioting in the streets uh, of the cities of our nation. There's robbing and there's looting and there's killing and there's violence and there's anger uh, in the streets of America today. You know, I, I, I was thinking about the, the other day, thinking about the situation, watching some of what was going on on the news. And, and my goodness, the, 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 the Scriptures came to me about the days of Noah, how in the days of Noah it said that the earth was filled with violence. And when I, when I saw what was on my TV screen, I couldn't help, Brother Mike, but think about those verses, that the earth was filled with violence in the days of Noah. You know, there was a, I talked last week about the restraining force last Sunday night and the Christians, uh, the, the church and the saints of God being the salt of the earth and being that preserving influence in the world. But in those days of Noah, the wickedness was so great in the earth 
that there was only one man and one family that found grace in the eyes of God. Only eight people were saved out of that, out of that I don't know what the population of, of the antediluvians world was, but only eight people were saved out of that. The earth had become so violent and so wicked and so corrupt. And Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, that so it would be. Did he say that? That it would be the same way in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. He said as it was in the days of Lot. And we talked a little bit last Sunday night about Sodom and Gomorrah and and Abraham's intercession for those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he said, as it was in the days of Lot, it would be that way in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. But the earth is, is filled with sin and with violence and with wickedness today. And uh, stress and anxiety just abound. And, you know, it's, it, 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 everything that, that is happening today, there's so many people that are... that causes the heart that the situation of the world today causes the even the strongest of hearts to tremble with worry and anxiety you know i think it's an indicator of the times that we live in when the best-selling drugs in the united states and brother jim's a retired pharmacist he probably could amen this but some of the best-selling drugs in America are ulcer medications, hypertension drugs, tranquilizers, antidepressants, and anti-anxiety drugs. And that kind of tells you what kind of time we're living in today. And it's reported today, the reports are that two-thirds of the office visits to the family doctor are prompted by stress-related symptoms. You just stop and think about that. It's reported, and I think it's a, it's a known fact that stress is, is known to be a major contributor directly or indirectly to coronary, heart, to, to coronary heart disease, to cancer, to lung ailments, to accidental injuries, and to suicide because of stress because of fear, because of anxiety and worry. People are, are, are going through panic attacks and, and, and all types of things today and are fearful and afraid. And, and, you know, people, I can understand people that don't know Jesus, people that are not saved, people that, that don't have the hope of the Bible or the hope of the Scriptures being under that stress and that anxiety and that worry and, and that fearfulness. I can, I can see where they would be there, but I can't see a child of God who is, is safe and secure in the Lord Jesus Christ having that troubled heart or being filled with that worry or that fear or that anxiety. Amen? Because in the midst, in the midst of all of the hostilities and in the midst of the violence and in the midst of the rioting and everything that's going on in the midst of a pandemic, I think everybody's forgot we're supposed to still be in a pandemic, amen? That's kind of, went, that's kind of fallen by the wayside. But in the midst of everything and all the pressures and the dangers that we're facing today, in the middle of all that, 
Ladies and gentlemen, we hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ saying to us, saying to his church, saying to his people, let not your hearts be troubled. Everything is going to be all right. Come on, I got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. Let not your hearts be troubled. Oh, somebody may say, well, Pastor Rick, what if things get worse instead of getting better? And, I, you know, they may, that may be the case. But I'm, I'm still focusing on what the Lord says here in his word, that we are not to let our hearts be troubled. And, and as I said, that implies what Jesus said there implies then that you and I have a choice. You and I have a choice whether or not we allow ourselves to get, to get into that situation where our, our, our hearts are troubled and fearful and afraid and worried. And I, I don't have to tell you, you know, the times, the many times, of times in the Bible where the Scripture says to fear not, be not afraid. Uh, you know, and those, those terminologies, 365 times, I believe, in the Bible, that those phrases are used for us not to be afraid or not to fear. And here Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled. So it implies that you and I have a say-so in the matter, and it depends on, on what we do. So there's, there's, a, there's a message here for us today. Let not your heart be troubled. There is not a message that is so needed today. I believe this is probably the, the one message that is needed for the body of Christ and for the church, church today. When Jesus spoke these words, I mean, it was just hours, just hours before his body would be placed on that cruel Roman cross, just hours before the nails would be driven into his hands and his feet and his, his brow would be, would be pierced and gouged by razor-sharp thorns. It was just a few hours before his face would be caved in by the fists of Roman soldiers and the beard would be plucked from his face. And just hours before Jesus was going to suffer all these things, Jesus says to his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. And then look at verse 27 in that 14th chapter. Jesus ends this, this particular subject by saying this in verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And then here he says it. He repeats it again. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hallelujah. He possessed. And see, listen. Jesus possessed a peace that passes all human comprehension, all human understanding. And here's the good news. You know, we're talking about hours before he's going to the cross and he's telling them, don't let your heart be troubled. He's saying, I, I'm going to give my peace to you. I'm going to leave my peace with you. This is the same peace that Jesus exemplified uh, on that ship in the middle of the storm when the disciples thought they were going to capsize and they were going to be drowned. And Jesus, where did they find Jesus? He's in the, in the back part of the ship. He's got his my pillow pulled up there. And he's... he's <laughs> 
<laughs> he's laid out, man. He's having a nap. He's sleeping in the storm. He wasn't upset. He wasn't troubled. He wasn't worried. Why? Because he had peace. He had peace. Jesus had peace knowing that the Father was going to get them on the, to the other side of that, of that lake. He told his disciples, he said, come on, boys. Let's get in that boat. We're going to the other side. He didn't say we're going to get in the middle and we're going to be capsized and we're going to drown. He had perfect peace in the midst of the storm. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going through a storm today. We're going through some rough times today. And as I said, it may get rougher, but I believe, I believe with all my heart the word that the Lord is speaking to you and the word that the Lord is speaking to me and the word of God that we need to get planted in our spirits tonight is do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be afraid. Get my get the peace of God and let the peace of God fill your heart and guard your heart and mind tonight. Amen? That peace that Jesus possessed is available for you. He said, I'm giving my peace to you. So it's time we receive the peace he's left us and take it and claim it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. He addressed our fears here. Jesus did in this 14th chapter of John. He addressed our fears with a prescription for peace. Amen. We've all had the doctor write us a prescription and we take it to the pharmacy and, and fill the prescription and it comes with directions on what we're to take and how often we're to take it and how many pills <coughs> that we're to take and all those things. Well, Jesus gives us a little prescription here in John 14 and gives us some wonderful realities in these few verses of Scripture that is a prescription for our peace. And what he tells us here will be a cure, I believe, a prescription for a cure for a troubled heart. Amen? And, and, and here they are right here. Number one, he, he gives a faithful reassurance, and he says to his disciples, you, let your, you want your heart not to be troubled? Here's number one. You believe in God, believe also in me. The number one cure that he gives them for having peace and not being troubled in difficult times, the cure for heart trouble, all begins with believing God. Now, I know that's simple. That's not real profound, is it? But that's what Jesus said. He said that if you want to have ease from stress and you want to have freedom from worry and you want to have an untroubled heart, then the first thing you need to do is believe. Believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. I know, you know, people say, well, Brother Rick, that's too simple. That's too easy. But Jesus said to the man with the demon-possessed boy, you remember what Jesus said to him? He said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. What does it mean to believe? I shared some thoughts with, uh, with the Sunday school class this morning on, on faith and on believing. And we talked, about, we talked about having strong faith in the class this morning. We talked about Romans 4. 
verses 20, 17 through 20, about Abraham's faith. But that, that word believe, to believe God, it means to be firmly persuaded to something. It means to adhere to and to trust in and to rely on. That's what faith is. When you're putting your belief and your faith in the Lord, you are relying upon Him. That's why unbelief is such a terrible thing because when we're in unbelief, we're saying that God can't take care of me. We're saying that I'm not, I, I just can't rely on the Lord. That's why faith, listen to me, folks, that's why faith pleases God. It's impossible, isn't that what the writer of Hebrews said, that without faith it's impossible to, to, to please God. For he that comes to God must what? Must believe must believe that God is, that He exists, and that He is what you need in your life for that particular time. Must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That is what believing and relying, believing and being, being firmly persuaded. And we talked about that this morning in Sunday school about about how that Abraham was, was, was fully persuaded that what God had promised him that God was able also to perform. Now, you've trusted God to save you, haven't you? It took faith to do that. You put your faith and your trust and your reliance in the Lord and in the promises of God and in the blood of Jesus Christ to save you and to bring you out of sin and to make you a child of God. You can say tonight because of your faith that you know that you don't have to, you don't have to go to hell tonight amen isn't that good news amen you, you know there is there is a place called hell a literal burning hell there is a place called hell and preachers don't preach on it much anymore but there still is a place that is literal that is a fire that is brimstone and it's a place where the where the 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 unredeemed the unsaved go and spend eternity and preachers don't talk about that anymore that's not good news that that place exists but the good news is this that because of what Jesus did you don't have to go there and I don't have to go there and nobody else has to go there praise God because we've believed in the Lord he said you believe in believe also in me put your faith and your trust and your confidence and all of your hope in the Lord at Jesus Christ is to be firmly persuaded to something. That's what believing is. To trust in and to rely on. See, I believe in God. I, I trust in Him. I, I trust and believe that His hand is on my life and that He guides me through the, through the difficult times of life, that He's in control of my life and He will direct me and He will care for me and He will not allow anything to come my way or touch my life that is outside of his will. I pray that every single day of my life. Uh, Lord, your will today be done in my life as it is in heaven. I commit myself, Lord, and I give myself to you and I put my faith and trust in you for your hand to be upon me and guide me and protect me. Amen? And if I'll be led by the Lord and I'll walk in him and I'll stay 
stay true to him, he's going to work his will out in my life. And when and if, and probably not if, but when the enemy comes in and when the enemy attacks and when things don't go wrong, I still believe that my God is able to take all things and work them together for my good in my life. Come on, amen. Well, glory to God. Well, that's what Jesus was telling us to do. You believe in God. Believe also in me. It all starts with that assurance that God exists and that he cares for you. I think everybody here tonight believes that God exists. Somebody a week or two ago sent a personal message through the through the 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 church Facebook page, wanting to have a debate, me and a devout atheist on the platform of Abundant Life Family Church, and I said, "No, thank you. We're not getting into that. Why would I want to stand up here and debate with a fool?" The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Amen? You're not going to convince him anyway that in the reality of God. And I'm not going to waste precious worship time and singing time and good preaching time to stand up here and argue and debate with some atheist. Come on, somebody. Amen? So we believe that he exists. You've got to believe that he cares for you. And so the untroubled heart results in your fully believing and trusting in Him. And you, you're, you and I fully dedicated into the pursuit of God and longing for Him. God doesn't bless an easy believism. He's not blessing a half-hearted commitment. But God pours His blessing out on those who, as Hebrews eleven six 6 says, who diligently seek Him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. So we must believe in Jesus and that's what the Lord says here. If you want your heart to be not, not to be troubled, then believe. It's through Him. You've got to believe that it's through Jesus that God takes care of everything that you need in your life. You know, Romans 8 and 32 says, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That tells us that everything that we need in life, the Lord's going to take care of us. Amen. I know, you know, there's some shelves in the grocery store that's empty. And uh, we were talking a while ago. Somebody said you couldn't hardly buy a freezer now. You had to order a freezer. I said, no, you, there's two, two things I know you can't buy right now. You can't buy a freezer or a rifle. Everybody's stocking up on meat and guns and ammo. They're getting ready for the revolution, I guess. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the shelves may be getting, getting empty and be getting scarce. But I tell you what, oh, so that troubles some people. That bothers some people. And it, I'm going to tell you what, when my wife came home and paid $8 for a pound of ground beef, I was troubled. I was troubled. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I said, don't you, don't you buy no ground. Don't you buy no hamburger meat for no $8 a pound. Hallelujah. Amen. 
But it may bother, it may trouble, it may worry, it may, the tendency's there to get upset. Uh, well, what are we going to do? I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, listen to what I'm saying tonight. You've got to believe what Jesus said. And Jesus said, if God, your heavenly Father, feeds the birds of the air, he's going to feed you too. Hallelujah. Do not let your heart be troubled. Hallelujah. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is the bright star in your dark night. He's the rose of Sharon, your lily of the valley. He's the savior of our soul. He's the healer of our body. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he's the supplier of all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. Let not your heart be troubled. But believe, believe, believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Believe in the finished work of the cross. And he will bring you through and your heart will not be troubled. Amen. Praise God. Listen what he said secondly. Secondly in verse 2. He tells them to believe and then in verse 2 he says, In my Father's house. Now he's given them the cure for the troubled heart. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Here's the cure for the troubled heart in 2020. But this world is not all we got. We have the promise of a future residence in heaven. Jesus is preparing us a place. Amen? He's preparing us a place. I'm going to tell you something tonight. There is a place. I just mentioned to you a while ago that there was a place called hell. But can I tell you something? There's a place called heaven. Amen? And do you know that heaven is not some fictitious place. It is a real place prepared for God's people. It's a real place, and there are real people there, and there are cities there, and there are, there are streets there. There are animals there. Somebody said there are. There are horses there. I know that. Amen. There are rivers and lakes and streams, and there are trees and uh, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. I know, you know, I've, I've read some theologians and heard some Bible scholars refer to heaven as a planet or to the planet heaven, that it's a, that it's a, a planet somewhere in the north of the universe. The Bible doesn't necessarily say that, but what else would it be? I don't believe it's just hanging out there in the middle of nothing. It's uh, like the earth. God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. And, uh, but nevertheless, we know it's a real and it's a literal place. And Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. We can read a little bit in the book of Revelation. You know, I, I, I ministered at the Prophecy Conference back in October. Uh, back in October, and Brother McRaven had asked me to, to speak on the uh, 
on the new heavens and the new earth. Well, I, I told them that night, I said, I've got a difficult assignment because I said, I'm trying to get up here and describe something to you that, that nobody really has ever seen other than, well, John saw it. John the Revelator saw it and wrote about it in Revelation. Paul the Apostle was caught up into the third heaven and saw things there, but he didn't feel free to discuss it. You know, it's amazing to me that Paul was caught up into heaven and said, I has said that he saw things he didn't, he wasn't, it wasn't right lawful for him to tell about. Then we've got modern day preachers that's been caught up there and they write books about it. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying. Amen. But, uh, but, 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 but listen, this, this belief, he tells us about heaven in Revelation and John describes it there. And uh, in Revelation 21, he said he saw, he said, I, John, saw the holy city, verse 2, the new Jerusalem coming down from, from um, out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God's with men and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I've always said heaven, the best way to describe heaven is not so much to say what is there, but to say what is not there. And that's what John does here. He says it's a land of no more. It's a place of no more. It's a place of no more tears. It's a place of no more death. It's a place of no more sorrow. It's a place of no more crying. It's a place where there'll be no more pain. Amen? I'm telling you, there'll be no rioting, and there'll be no looting, and there'll be no cursing, and there'll be no anger, and there'll be no wrath, and there'll be no... None of that stuff will be in heaven. And that's glory to God that... That gives me a peace in my spirit just to think that Jesus has gone to prepare that place for me. I'm going to heaven one day. How about you? I've made up my mind. I'm going to heaven one of these days. You as a child of God, I, I believe the Lord wants us to live on this earth as long as he, he desires us to be there, to be here, as long as he has a work for us to do, a ministry for us to fulfill. But I'm telling you what folks when the Lord is done with me and when I've preached my last sermon and when I've done everything that God has put me on this earth to do I don't want to hang around here no more I'm ready to lay my head down and go to sleep in Jesus and open my eyes in the land where there is no more sorrow or pain or crying and tears where the Lamb of God is the light I'm going to that city where well, I got a mansion over there and it's free from toil and care I'm going where the lamb is the light somebody needs to say amen tonight hallelujah he has prepared a place for us in heaven you can read that 21st chapter 22nd chapter of revelation and get the description of heaven there from John but for 2,000 years Jesus has been gone and he's been preparing a place for us. If you remember Jesus, what was his trade on earth? He 
was a he was a carpenter. He built stuff. Well, I'm telling. Oh, glory to God! He's been working on 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 our mansions. He's been preparing a place for us for two thousand years. Amen. Heaven is in our future. That's what Jesus was saying here. An eternity in the presence of Jesus is in our future. So He said, "Do not let your heart be troubled, folks. Heaven's a real place." You know, I, I tell you, I preach. I think last year, 2019, I think I preached more funerals in 2019 than I had in any one year in my entire ministry. We had a lot, we had a lot of folks uh, from the church, and that was associated with the church that passed away, and um, they were they were Christians, they were believers, and um, you know it's easy, it's easy to preach a funeral for a believer. Now, now I know that the family's grieving, and when they're a, when they're a friend of mine, a close acquaintance, a, 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 a part of the church, it hurts to lose them, of course. But, but, but my heart rejoices on the inside because I know where they're at. They're in the place where I'm still wanting to get to. Come on, somebody. Amen. They're in heaven. And if we really believe the Bible and what Jesus said, and that's why we read these verses of Scripture at funeral services to comfort the family because we're not to be troubled about that about that loved one, if they knew the Lord Jesus Christ, they're in the presence of the Lord. And it is in our future. And so Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you, and uh, so don't let your heart be troubled. There's a place uh, in heaven for you. But now listen to what he says. The third and final thing that I'm going to bring to you tonight is this. And I'm talking about this cure for the troubled heart. He said, you believe in God. You believe in me, and he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm preparing a mansion. There's a lot of mansions there. I'm making a mansion for you. But then he says in verse 3, and if I go and prepare that place for you, which I'm doing it, he said, if I go to prepare the place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. There's so much right there in just the in just that little passage of scripture that we we could preach on that all night. But Jesus spoke these words and gave them a a a firm resolution and he said to them, "If I go away, I'm coming back again." That right there. That right there. Some people I've heard people say People that are opposed to the teaching of the rapture of the church say that Jesus never said anything about the rapture. But right here is the first mention of the rapture of the church in in John 14 and 1 where Jesus said, I will come again. I shall come again and receive you to myself. Now, he can come tonight and receive you individually if it's time for you to go to be with the Lord he can do that but what he's talking about here I believe is the coming his coming back when he comes back in the rapture of the church 
and it will be it has been determined and uh, I'm telling you folks there's nobody that can change this all the doubters all the unbelievers all the scoffers all the skeptics all the agnostics all the atheists amen they cannot change this fact and that fact is that Jesus Christ is coming back again to get his church and he then is coming back to set up his kingdom on this earth and I can guarantee you that he will not put up with any riots they will be crying defund the police then won't they all right but nothing's going to stop that event from taking place and I firmly believe tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ stands ready to come and to receive his church Somebody might say, well, didn't you just mention this a couple of weeks ago? I did. And I'm going to mention it tonight again. And I'll probably mention it maybe next week. And I'm going to keep mentioning it because here's why. Because I believe that we're right there tonight, church. I really believe that. I believe that we're there you know, at the, at the time of the rapture, the coming of the Lord, and I don't know how anybody else feels here tonight. I hope you feel the same way that I do. But I'm ready for the Lord to come. I'm ready for the rapture of the church, for the catching away of the saints, for the coming of the Lord. And I do believe that this event is going to happen soon. You all know the verses. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, the Apostle Paul gives that revelation that God had given him there in, to the church at Thessalonica concerning the rapture of the church. And he said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, shall rise first. Hallelujah. Do you know what? Every one of your loved ones, every one of your family members, every single saint of God, every born-again believer that has died in the faith, and that their bodies have been laid in those graves in the dust of the earth and have gone back to the dust of the earth very, very soon, very, very soon, the, the, the trumpet of Almighty God is going to sound and the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout. And I, I think I've mentioned this before. What is he going to shout? What is the shout going to be? That word shout means a shout command. I believe it's going to be the same kind of a shout command that he gave at the grave of Lazarus when he said, Lazarus, come forth. And there was a man that had been dead four days come hopping out of that grave. Praise God. They had rolled the stone away and Lazarus came out of that grave alive. Hallelujah. It was a command man that Jesus gave and said Lazarus come forth he is the resurrection and the life and we've said it before and you've heard it said before it's a good thing that he called him by name cause if he would have just said come forth everybody that ever had died would have come out of their graves cause he is the resurrection and he is the life hallelujah but there's going to be a shout that's going to take place this is known as is the first resurrection. People that say I don't believe in a rapture don't believe in the resurrection then and it's it's it, you know it's a dangerous thing not to believe in the re in the resurrection. We'd have to call you a sad you see. Amen if you didn't believe in the resurrection. Amen. But 
but but but but but there will be a resurrection of the saints a resurrection of the righteous dead and every righteous person that has died from righteous Abel to the last saint of God that dies and is buried before the trump of God sounds every one of them is going to come out of their graves hallelujah the graves will burst asunder the graves will open up and the and the body will come out of there a glorified body their spirit of the spirits of those individuals of those saints have been in heaven ever since they died the spirit and soul doesn't sleep at death only the body but that body's going to come up that spirit be reunited with that body in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye hallelujah and the dead shall be raised incorruptible praise God I'm not going to be troubled because I know there's a resurrection coming for the saints of almighty God. There's a resurrection coming. My goodness, I've got a mom, I've got a dad, I've got aunts, I've got uncles. We've got two children that we've buried over the years. Glory to God, they're coming out of the graves. But not only, and that's the dead in Christ. We'll rise first. And then Paul goes on to say that then we, he included himself in there. He said we. He thought, why did he say it? Why did he put it in that, in that particular way? I believe because he was looking himself for that rapture, that coming of the Lord in his day. Well, that, that tells us that there weren't any particular signs or prophecies that had to be fulfilled or had to take place for the rapture of the church to happen, but it could take place at any time and it's still that same today there listen there are many prophecies yet to be fulfilled before the second advent of Christ comes to the earth to set up his kingdom but no prophecy no sign has to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place amen he could come tonight he could come at any time hallelujah I'm looking for him how about you praise God then we which are alive we will which are alive and remain when the Lord comes shall be caught up together with them, them being the dead that have been raised. We'll be caught up with them in the clouds. Here's the good part. Not only are we going to be reunited with our loved ones and our family members, Sister Vicki, those family members of yours that have gone on to be with the Lord, your mom and your sons and those that have gone on, I'm going to take glory to God. We're going to be reunited with them. And the Bible says, called up together with them. That's going to be the reunion time of all right there, ladies and gentlemen. Caught up together with them in the clouds. And here's the good part, to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. We're going to meet Jesus in the air. And he's going to escort us on into heaven. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I've had an airplane ride, but I'm getting ready to take a plane air ride. Come on, somebody. I'm going to be with the Lord. He's coming back. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let fear and anxiety and stress overcome you. Get your eyes upon Jesus and upon the eastern sky because he's coming back again and he's coming back soon. Come on. Amen. I believe.
We believe here in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ that He could come at any moment, at any time. Nothing has to happen. No signs, no prophecies for the rapture. It's the next great event on God's prophetic calendar. The mess that this world is in cannot stress us, should not. I think we allow it to. That's why Jesus said, don't let or let not your heart. Don't allow that to happen. That's what he was saying. It shouldn't stress us because we have the cure for the troubled heart. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. You know, stress management and worship team, you can make your way back. Stress management has become a multi-million dollar a year business in the United States. And I believe there's probably untold fortunes that are being spent to find some peace, for people to find peace, to steal the, the, the tempest and the agitation in their spirits and their hearts and their soul. Millions of dollars being spent for people to find peace. Alcoholics are looking for it in a bottle of alcohol, a bottle of liquor. Drug addicts are looking for that peace in another pill or another injection or another snort of their drug. But I'm going to tell you something. I've got the answer to the peace that you seek tonight and that you need tonight. And it's been in the Bible all the time. Hence where Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That heavy laden means filled with stress, burdened down. All you that are heavy laden, come to me. Jesus said, Come to me. He's given the invitation. He's saying, Come to me and I will give you rest. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is speaking those same words tonight that He spoke to those disciples 2,000 years ago on the night before His death, chapters 13, 14, and 15, and 16 of John are all one discourse of Jesus teaching and speaking to His disciples that night, trying to encourage them. And Those same words that he, that he spoke to them, He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me tonight. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Put your faith in your heavenly Father. Put your trust in Jesus. He's saying, trust in me. And in those words tonight lie the solution to every problem that you have. Amen. Every problem that you may face, there's, there's, there's a cure for the troubled heart. And it's in Jesus and in His peace tonight. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your for your peace tonight, for the encouragement from your word. And I just pray your peace will fill the hearts of everyone here in this place tonight. God, we make that, we make that, that de- determination tonight not to allow. We, we, we know we've got to do something about it. So our faith is going to be anchored, Jesus, in you tonight that our hearts will be at peace, that in the midst of the storm we'll have the peace that passes all understanding, 
that the joy of the Lord will flood our souls tonight. And in the midst of the turmoil, and no matter what's going on in this country, in this nation, God, we pray that you would heal our land, but in the midst of everything that's going on, we just want to rest in you and in your peace and tranquility tonight. That's the most important thing, Jesus. And we thank you for it tonight. Amen.